This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Hold your carriage horses and tighten those corsets. Bridgerton is back. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Has Penelope truly pushed aside her feelings for Colin? Will Colin realize his feelings before another suitor takes Penelope's hand? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? This gentle reader can't wait to find out. Watch part one of Bridgerton now, only on Netflix. Hello and welcome back to the Sunday special episode of the You Up podcast. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I am Jared Freed. Jordana, we are joined by a very special guest today. I, I, I know you're very excited. You, you are a, a fan. I, not to say that I'm not a fan, but I, you are a consumer <laughs> a of, yeah. of their work. Yeah, you read and I don't. So yes. um, Jordana, you want to introduce them? So we are joined today by Dr. Meg Jay. She's a clinical psychologist, associate professor of human development at the University of Virginia and author of The Defining Decade, all about how to make the most out of your 20s. And I just finished this book, so I'm so excited to talk to you about it. Welcome. Wonderful. Yo, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Great to have you. Yeah, I read the book. All the 20-somethings in the Betches uh, office were like, this book, you know, is like life changing and it, it has all these like really interesting concepts and things to think about. And so we wanted to have you on. Um, and I checked that and I was like, oh, it's too late for me. I'm 31. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start there, right? <laughs> it's never too late. We all just start where we are. But um, yeah, I thought, let me target the 20 somethings. The book's all about adult development. So I thought I'd start with the youngest adults, but everything in there is still relevant at 31 and 35 and 39. I mean, it's still the way life works totally it's gotta yeah. it's gotta be awkward to talk to someone and be like oh you're 36 <laughs> okay well sorry yeah, i got you nothing done. for you yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I i do think it's interesting to target that year those years um it's interesting to me that like i remember graduating college and in at the you know in what was it 2007 and I'm thinking, man, no one really, everyone's like, oh, 18, you become an adult and you go, and that was kind of what we were still living by at that huh. time. And uh -huh. then, you know, the whole idea I remember of the quarter life crisis became a very pop culture term around mm -hmm. that time. And like, you start to notice like people freaking out. <laughs> right. um, and, and, and also my parents and most parents, I think if it was mine, then Mine aren't that different than everyone else. Everyone's parents was like, you didn't really understand this like 22 to 26 year old era of like freak out, right. you know, it, it, because they, they were like, no, 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 no. We were 18 then adults. And it's like, it, it, it feels like there was a change at some point. Did you see that? Well, yeah, there's definitely been a change in the last couple of generations, last few decades, the, the what are called, call, what are called like the adult milestones of, you know, figuring out what you're going to do for a living and finding a partner and buying a house and picking a city, all that has moved up into the later twenties. And I, I pass no judgment on that. I'm, I'm just saying that's the way it is now. And it's so comforting to hear. I'm sure for people though, like, 
you know, yeah, you're not behind if you haven't got all that figured out. Absolutely. Yeah. But what that means is that in your early 20s, there's a lot of uncertainty of I don't have any of that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know who I'm going to be. I don't know if I'll be alone forever. So it makes it extremely anxiety provoking and people, you know, want direction. Right. And I feel like the 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 interesting thing about this book is you see like like you write you write in the book that Oh, there's all these articles about how, you know, like 24 is the new 18 or like, you know, all these things about how like your 20s don't really matter. It's really your 30s that matter. The 20s are a time for sort of just like finding yourself and exploring and doing whatever. And I think your argument, which is sort of a refreshing thing to hear, is kind of like don't have that mindset because in your 30s, you're just going to have to do what you were, should have been doing in your 20s, which is like trying to actually figure out what you want to do out. and what your life is. And the right. 20s are the time for like actually, it's not like a time to just like chill. Right. It's a time to actually like experiment to find out what you actually want to set yourself up for to be successful in your 30s and beyond. Right. So with, you know, the adult milestones moving closer to 30, that's where the whole like, oh, 30s, the new 20, what I do in my 20s doesn't matter anymore. But the whole argument of the defining decade is we actually now for the first time in history, relatively speaking, have a chance to get in front of all those milestones and, and try them out and really explore and really experiment and, you know, fail early, as they say, if that's what's going to happen. And so, you know, it's, it's actually a really important time where you can find a lot out and get going um, when the, when the getting is still easier. So you talk a lot about like career and setting yourself up for career access, but since we are a, uh, a dating and relationship podcast, nice. I figured we would uh, focus a little bit more on like the love section. Well, let me tell you, when people come into my office, they really want to talk about love, okay? Like, <laughs> I feel like I have to help them get jobs just to, you know, pay the bills and all that, but they want to talk about their relationships. So I'm happy to go there first or or completely. Great. Uh, so one thing I, I wanted to ask you about, I mean, you talk about this concept of like a lot of people dating down in their 20s. Can you explain that to the listeners who might not have, have read the book yet or like what that means or how they can avoid that? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, what I mean by dating down is dating down to sort of a low version of yourself or to a kind of a not an ambitious version of what you want in a relationship or where you would like to be with a partner or with partners, you know, five years down the line. And so, again, I think because, you know, if you're so inclined to choose a partner, People do that a bit later than they used to. So it kind of leads to this mindset of, well, who I date in my 20s or who I hang out with or who I sleep with doesn't really matter, right? Because I'm not marrying this person. I'm not partnering this per with this person. Um, but I'll tell you a story about that, which is in the book, that when I was first working with 20-somethings, I had a client who was kind of, she'd come in every week and be like another person, was you know kind of a not-so-great relationship after another. And my supervisor pushed me to kind of help her look at that and maybe take her relationships more seriously. And I shrugged it off. I said, well, I mean, it's not like she's marrying the guy. What difference does it make? And she said, well, not yet, but she might partner with the next one. And the best time to work on your marriage or your partnership, whatever floats your boat, is before you have one. And so I think in our 20s, it's really an opportunity not just to not to not to not care about our relationships, but to get out there and truly try relationships and see what works for me, what doesn't work for me, um, what kind of person, what kind of situation. 
Um, but that's a different mindset than what I do doesn't matter. Summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I'm wearing a Quince sweater literally right now. They make the best cashmere sweaters and they're so well-priced. It's like, honestly, my dream store. I also have an amazing down comforter from them. They cut out the middleman and they really just give you these really, really high quality items that last a long time and that they're at an amazing price point. Quince has amazing items like premium European European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, so you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash UUP for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash UUP to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash UUP. If you're like me and shudder at the thought of low-rise jeans and pluck-thin eyebrows making a comeback, you're a millennial. And if you're a millennial, it's time to add Clarins Multi-Active Cream to your daily routine. I have to tell you, I'm a huge Clarins fan. I've been using them for years. I love, love, love them. They are such high quality. They're like a legacy brand. My skin always looks better whenever I'm using Clarins products. And it's no different with the Clarins Multi-Active Cream. You've been adulting for a while, so the daily stress of just trying to keep your life together can cause stress aging. Yes, that's a thing. The good news, Europe's number one skincare line has a solution you can trust. Rooted in nature and innovated with science, Clarins has a long legacy of creating industry-first, plant-forward products. Using a skin charger complex made of 2% niacinamide and C. holly bio-extract, Clarins Multi-Active Cream has been clinically proven to target the first visible signs of aging by smoothing lines and wrinkles, refining pores, evening tone and texture, and strengthening the skin's moisture barrier. While Multi-Active Cream can't bring back the golden age of boy bands, it can de-stress your skin. Go to Clarins.com slash UUP and get Multi-Active Day and Night Cream for 10% off, a free welcome gift, plus free shipping on your first order. That's C-L-A-R-I-N-S dot com slash UUP with promo code UUP, Clarins.com slash UUP with promo code UUP. Do you think it's, um? you said like try relationships. I'm sure there's people listening that are like, I can't <laughs> I want even to. get to that. You know, like, like you know, because we hear from those people and like, listen, I, I don't like to live in the negativity. Like that's kind of, I do believe that's kind of a negative mindset. Like if you can't, you want your one real, you you're one date away from the, the relationship that's going to come to you. But at right. the same time, like if someone's there out there being like, I'm trying to get to the relationships, but these people that I'm dealing with mostly, I would, I, I would assume I, I just cause this is who we hear from women thinking these men don't even want to try relationships. They're so afraid of, and again, from the male point of view, I would, I would say afraid of, I don't want to be in a six month relationship to have to end it because someone just wants the relationship. Mm, Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Meaning, and you don't, I mean, that they want the relationship, but I know I really don't. Yeah. And, and also they, maybe their goal is a relationship and I'm just here just oh, trying stuff out with them. You're a relationship and, and, filler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, a lot of times you get put in the position of like, I have to end it now. Mm -hmm. I have to be the one to go, you know, cause you're, you know, still trying things out, you know? Right. 
Well, you know, I do, obviously I do hear that of people say, but I, I want to try things out, but I can't even get a date or I can't even find a match or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I mean, I guess sometimes that leads to discussions about where are you looking and how are you looking and who you said these people that I was using your words. So who are these people? Like what, you know, where are you searching? Because if I could get together all the people in my practice who want a relationship, but can't find one, I could have my own little mini dating service, (laughs) male and female, but you know, sometimes they're different ages. I think sometimes with, um, you know, we're so used to doing everything all growing up with people exactly our same age, but you know, in your twenties and beyond people's maturity levels or just readiness for different things are different. And so sometimes we have to look outside of our own, you know, quote unquote classroom. It may not be the exact same age of people we've been hanging out with or the same types of people we've been hanging out with, but to maybe broaden our horizons a bit. Um, but I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, Jared, because I've certainly had this conversation a lot with male clients in my practice and then on podcasts is that I think it is true. Not, I mean, for both um, or for all 20 somethings that work is sort of something that they're more stressed about. They feel like I have to figure this out before I try to add a relationship to this. And so I think. I hear that a bit more from men than from women. And I think that can cause some of the disconnect of women saying, I think I could have a relationship also. And more men saying, I really need to nail this work thing first, but I'd be curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah. My belief we've talked about it a few times on this show, but like, you know, men are kind of in this position societally, whether that's fair or not, like of being a provider. And if you're not a provider, you're a loser and most relationships end because of money. Mm. So one leads to the next leads to the next. They're kind of connected. And I think, you know, men kind of see that as like, as long as I'm comfortable with where my career is heading and I can see a path as far as, you know, money is concerned and Mm -hmm. you know the ability to provide and the ability to like do those things then a relationship becomes easier to concentrate on i can make promises to Mm -hmm. someone you know sometimes it feels like you're making promises you can't keep Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know when you enter into like hey let's get in a relationship because relationships cost money when you know um just like when's the next date when's the next trip when's the next you know the engagement with the ring you know like it's not like you know, I, I would love for us to get to a place where women are getting on their knee to give me a rock. But, <laughs> hey, but. I suggest it. I really do. But, <laughs> but, you know, I think what you're saying is so true. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And, you know, yeah. I, uh, Jordana, you read the book. You know, I wrote in there about, you know, there's some gender norms that really they just resist disruption. And, you know, one of those is that, oh, you know, when push comes to shove, men get pushed into the position of, well, you know, you're the primary breadwinner and women get pushed into the position of you should probably like drive carpool or cook dinner. And I really think those things need to change, but I see that in the twenties and maybe one way to do this is to help both men and women think about how can I have work? How can I have love? Cause I mean, these days, most everybody's going to have to work male, female, any combination, Um, and you know, most people want to find love. And so maybe that sort of linear approach, you know, isn't necessary in terms of 
work first, then love. I would also say like less stereotypical is like a lot of times we hear from women like, does he like me? So I like a lot of times men are put in the driver's seat of like, oh, yeah, should we do a relationship or not? Right. And, right. and instead of the other way around, which is listen, I don't think that's fair or good or bad or whatever. It is. It's just what it is, you mm-hmm. know, like where it's like, hey, you know, should we go to the next step? And it's like, OK, well, do you want to go to the next? Step? You know, it, it, it right. becomes all on absolutely one side a lot of times. It, it's so true. And I think that's it's harmful you know, and it's it's interesting for, you know, gay and lesbian clients. It's interesting. They can't really fall back on this. Mm. You know, who goes first? Who does what? You know, they got to work it out because there aren't these kind of gender stereotypes to fall back on. But I do see a lot in straight relationships, the women, it's like they're they're sort of waiting, just like you said, to find out, am I wanted? Have I been yes. promoted? <laughs> you know, are we going to the next level? They're yeah. just waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, and that's all they need. And then sometimes they aren't asking themselves, do I want? Okay, so this person wants me. Do I want them? Or do I want to be promoted? Or do I want to promote this person? Should I have the conversation? And I, I really would like to see all that move in a lot of different directions instead of just one way. Right. Well, I feel like part of the reason that that occurs also just like this, that men and women are just in different places biologically in their twenties, where I think women get the message and to an extent it's true that like their time is not endless to, um, to get into that relationship and, um, you know, have children or start a family. And I think for men, there's no sense of like, well, I don't want to be the last one married. I don't think any, I don't think many men have that feeling of like, I, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to have kids if mm-hmm. I, if I don't, you know, if I'm, if I'm with someone and it's okay, but it's not great. Like I, I still have this other thing about like time that's not on my side. Like, mm-hmm. so I do feel like maybe that I would imagine that would contribute to the difference in like the, the women wanting to know, like, is it, uh, you know, like choose me because they have less time. (laughs) Right. I'm I'm feeling a sense of urgency here that maybe you're not. Well, you know, it's interesting. I talk in the, in the defining decade about, you know, aging and eggs, but also sperm, right? Because it it does go both ways. We only hear the messages that like, Oh, you know, women better watch out. But I think both men and women need to educate themselves about their bodies and how they work. And, you know, when is the best time biologically to try to have kids think depending on how many and if you want any. Um, But yeah, I do think, and in some ways it's very healthy because that women do get that urgency of, Hey, I don't have all day here. (laughs) And urgency can be helpful to get people going into things that, you know, they ultimately do want. And so, you know, I see a bit of an upside and they're feeling like there's, somewhat of a cutoff point of I don't have all day to figure out my career and everything else. I need to start putting some pieces together. Right. And for me, I think with, with when dating in my twenties, that was sort of like um, the thing in the, in the back of my mind or the idea, like, uh, cause again, I think there is this sense of like, Oh, 20 should just be like, you should be the cool girl in your twenties. Who's just down for whatever. Who's mm-hmm. like open mm-hmm. to just like, sleeping with someone who doesn't necessarily like text you back or, or treat you well. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we're young. And so like why, and a guy would say, you know, like what we have fun, isn't that all that like, we're, we're so young, we're having fun, like who cares? But I do think that there is 
like you wrote in the book, a sense of like, that's not really the case because it even even if you are, you should be having fun, you should still be having fun with the intention of figuring out what you like and don't like so that you can set yourself up mm-hmm. for a relationship that's that's real and respectful and becomes like a, um, a long-term stable thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you want. And I think, um, you know, there's some cool research about time perspective, which really interests me and in that the happiest, most successful people spend about half their time thinking about the present and about the other half of their time thinking about the future. And so, you know, I think we get the message a lot in your 20s of, oh, have fun while you can. These are the best years of your life. I tell all my clients, if these turn out to be the best years of your life, something has gone terribly wrong (laughs) that, you know, you did not (laughs) set yourself up for happy. I mean, I want you to be happy in your 20s. But as someone who's way out of their 20s, I want you to be happy. Trust me, you're going to want it, too, in your 30s, 40s, 50s. You're still going to want good things for yourself. Um, And so it's a matter of, sure, you know, do what's, what are those unique opportunities for fun or exploration in your 20s? But, you know, I had a client once who said, I mean, I had fun doing all that, but did I need to do it for eight years? And uh, (laughs) I thought that was a good question. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Skims. And with warmer weather coming up, I recently tried out one of their t-shirts. Skims makes the best basics and foundations. So it's no surprise that it's the best fitting tee I've ever worn. Finding the perfect t-shirt can be such a challenge, whether it's the fit or the quality. But with Skims, they make the most flattering shirts for everyone. Honestly, I love pretty much everything Skims makes, but I really love their t-shirts. They're like form fitting and they make my body just look that much smoother. I have the soft, smoothing, seamless t-shirt in Onyx. It has amazing versatility. It is literally a must-have for a spring wardrobe. They're stretchy, they're flattering. You can dress it up or dress it down, and you don't have to worry about compromising style or comfort. I also have the cotton jersey t-shirt in marble, and it's really just changed the game for me. It's taking the regular t-shirt, it's leveling it up. There's no stretched collars or hems, and it literally fits like a dream. Skims t-shirts are made with innovative technology while always keeping style and comfort in mind. From crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, Skims has something for every fit and everybody. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes extra extra small to 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know i sent you after you place your order select podcast in the survey and select you up in the drop down menu that follows nothing gives me naked confidence like really nailing a tough workout there's a real sense of power that comes from pushing your body to its limits and conquering it like a champ but a very close second lumi whole body deodorant it's the game-changing whole body deodorant for those who love feeling confident from head to toe and you up listeners can now receive a special offer. New customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code and link. Use code UUP at LumiDeodorant.com. L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Making sure that I smell good is like one of my top things to feel confident. If I'm scared that I might be like having an odor, that is going to totally throw off my confidence. So I love Lumi so I can feel confident that I'm smelling fresh every day. Lumi is seriously safe to use anywhere on your body. Yes, anywhere. It's baking soda-free, paraben-free, and pH-balanced for safe use below the belt. Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. More like a pre-odorant. It's clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. Choose from a variety of bright scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, or toasted coconut. 
Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for our listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off their starter pack. Use code UUP for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code UUP at L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Jared and I were actually talking about this the other day when we were talking about like setups or like ways to meet people. And I, you talked about something called weak ties. Mm-hmm. I yep. think it was, I think that was what it's called. Um, that was, I think you were talking more about career, but do you think you could use that um, for like for dating in terms of meeting people or getting out there? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, one of the concepts in the book, and this is not mine. This is, I mean, I'm sort of the, I'm a, I'm a medium here. I'm just kind of getting the word out there to people who could use it, but it's called the strength of weak ties. And it's what's, what are the benefits or uh, what do people have to offer us that people we don't know well, not our best friends and family, but those acquaintances or our cousin we never talked to, or that person from our yoga class we never go out with, or the old roommate we used to have that we kind of keep in touch with. But what we know about those are called weak ties is that that's where new things come from, right? That you probably have your your core group that you talk to all the time. And there's probably not a lot new that they have to say or that they know or even new people that they know. But when we get out of that kind of strong ties network and get into our weak ties network, they open doors to all sorts of new information, opportunities, and that and opportunities, I mean, broadly of new jobs, new apartments, new ideas, new people to date, that very often this is actually where people's sort of new opportunities um, in terms of, you know, finding someone who might be looking for what they're looking for comes from. No, in theory, that's what dating sites are all about. But as we all know, sometimes they work that way and sometimes they don't. Um, But I do think weak ties is a great way to sort of, for the people who are saying, yeah, but I can't meet anybody. Like I don't, I don't, there's nobody out there. Um, You might want to try to do some things you don't normally do and see what where that may lead i love this so much and i think this gets glazed over the idea of weak ties so much because when it does work out you kind of don't even think about that like oh it was it was this middle person it wasn't my best friend no but my best friend introduced me to this person who ended up being the reason things in my life happened like you don't think about you don't that it's so true i've given a million talks about this since the first version of the book came out and everyone in the audience you know i'll say think about how did you get that recommendation for Mm. you know or how did you hear about a certain job or how did you find out about your apartment or how did you hear about the university you went to and it'll be like you know there was this person at my school who said this about that or it was you know this woman who lived two apartments down and we started talking in the hall one day that so much of what's new in our lives, it almost always comes from weak ties. It's, it's also really easier. Like I, 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 you know, doing comedy, I'm in a, a relationship business and that all that, like you can remember everyone who's done you a favor Uh huh. and it's always and even when I do someone a favor, it always feels easier when I'm not as close with them. 
Like when I'm close with them, right. the favor feels like, oh my oh god, god I, it, it's so like much my, riding on this now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and our relationship rides on it. I have to be in constant contact with them. But when it's like someone that I'm like, I like, but I would never call to hang out, like. I'm happy to do the favor, right. but I'm also happy to not have to deal with the favor. Right. Right. You <laughs> could just like do it and then ha- they take it from there. Right. Take like it that, from those there. Those emails I, that are like, I'll totally. let the two of you take it from here. <laughs> right. Well, it's an know, easier email. Yeah. You know, I had actually, Jared, never thought about that piece before, but you're so right of that. You know, there's all this research about altruism and doing nice things for people. It makes people feel good. And one of the reasons or one of the ways that works is when those nice things, they feel sort of quick and easy, you know, I mean, that's different than like helping someone, you know, move their apartment or whatever. And so um, I experience that all the time. People write me all the time about the defining decade and I try to answer every email and that takes about 90 seconds for me to do. Um, But I think about, this person has taken their time to track me down and send me an email and I'm going to send it back. And sometimes they want to know something like, Hey, do you know a good grad program for social work or whatever? And if I can make suggestions, I will. And it's so easy and it feels great. And I can just send the email and be done with it. But you never know what that has opened up for the other person. Like it feels very serendipitous and it's really great. Yeah. I, I, Cause I'm thinking right now, like I, I love coming up with stupid solutions to big problems people have. Nice. Like I think mm-hmm. stupid solutions, like whether they're, when we did this last episode where I, I would pitch Jordana stupid ideas and then maybe <laughs> we come up with a better idea. But like, nice. I, I, I think like the, the strength of weak ties to me is like such an important relationship dating thing that like, what do we think of this? Okay. Right, what ready. if everyone, and, and this is going to be an idea that people are going to shudder at, okay? And I, I know the listeners. What if someone who's single, they're like, I, I don't know what to do. They just post on Facebook, hey, I'm single. Anyone lo- anyone knows someone. Like Facebook is the land of weak ties at this right. point. Sure. Facebook isn't your best friend. but And then uh, slide in my DMs if you know anyone. Like, uh-huh, wouldn't that be uh-huh. like a great way to like kind of just like let's shake this up, kind of? I mean, I don't think it's a stupid idea at all. Someone's probably listening, and they're going to go make like a billion dollars off of it. Like, <laughs> it won't be me because I'm a psychologist, yeah. not a business person. But, um, but yeah, that's exactly the way it works. And I had so many people write to me after they read The Defining Decade and said, I read the book and I learned about weak ties. And then I noticed either, you know, ways I could start using them or just just these complete one-offs where somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, from Craigslist came to look at their apartment because they were moving and they bothered to strike up a conversation and then talked about work and then found out about, you know, hey, have you heard of the such and such company? And I mean, that's how it works with, um, you know, relationships all the time. But I love that of post it on Facebook and say, anybody got any ideas? And uh, that's, you know. Yeah. Or I mean, my my brother, actually, I remember some like influencer on Instagram, like uh, posted that her sister was single. And, you know, and if anyone, you know what I mean? If anyone was interested in her single, her, and she described her sister a little bit 
And I think my brother wound up like going out with her. Oh, wow. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> not, it that it, not that it worked out, but um, I just think it's like, it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like it, anything that sort of like brings you to someone's top of mind because right. they know that you're, you have a problem. And then if they see a solution, you're just increasing the amount of people where if they see a solution, they'll let you know. Right. Absolutely. And, and so many times we get emails where it's like, all my friends are married and no one knows anybody. <laughs> and you go, right. yeah, it sounds like they know you because we know you and I don't want to fix you up right now either. You know, like, and, 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 well, and, I, yeah, I'll have clients say everyone I know has a baby. And I'll say, statistically <laughs> speaking, I find that very difficult to believe because this person will be like 25 and I know sure. this is not true. So then we start thinking about, is that really true? And, you know, who doesn't have a baby and how maybe you spend some time with them and not start to feel like they're the only one left standing. And and, um, and the, the further you go down 95 is the, the more that becomes the response. Right. You know, like the further <laughs> we go to you know, New York, to Virginia, down to uh, yeah. you know, South Carolina, oh, everyone's like, everyone's oh. married. Everyone has a baby. Everyone's yeah. doing a christening. And you're like, that can't be. It's just not true. It's right. just not, you know, that's just not the case. You're funny. You actually hit all my high spots. So I live in Virginia. I'm okay. from South Carolina. And then I work a lot in New York with publishing. So I get all those places and you nailed it. The, the further you, I mean, South Carolina by 25, you do start feeling like everybody I know has a baby. <laughs> but I'd moved to Berkeley by then. So that was not the case there at all. Everyone so. there well, doesn't have a baby. It's <laughs> funny that... It's funny that at 25, if you weren't married like a hundred years ago, you were just, it was you were just done. Like over yeah. for you. You had to oh. move to a different country or just like. <laughs> it's really all a, relative. Yeah. You could go to Berkeley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's about the only place you could go. You know that feeling when you're going on your first date with the person you've been seriously crushing on and realize you have absolutely nothing to wear? Maybe you find yourself wishing you had the perfect pair of jeans, the one you can fancy up, fancy down, and just look better every time you wear them. Well, that's why you need to check out Lee Denim. I love Lee Denim. I'm wearing them today in the office. I'm wearing their jeans. I love, they also have this other pair that I have at home that I'm really excited to wear. It's like a little baggier, but it's still so comfortable and yet it's still so flattering. I don't know how they do it. Every time you wash it, they also look even better. And I love that they flatter every body type. Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their denim gets better with age and their classics fit into every look. Lee's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. A classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG, what every other brand has copied for decades. Everyone is an icon in their own right, and Lee makes denim so people can own their style and feel good in their clothes. Their spring collection is here, so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Lee fits by visiting lee.com. That's L-E-E dot com to shop spring looks now. Should we do, we have an email from a listener that's really about a lot of these topics. Can we, can we read it and get your take on it? Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. You want me to read it, Jordana? Yeah. Why don't you read it? Okay. Okay. It's called, is it even worth it to date in your early twenties? What would you? Okay, so okay, yeah, you, you, you have. Yes, uh, I don't you, have to read the email. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, okay. you have a client. You you have a client come in. You have a, someone come in, and, and that's the first thing they say to you. What do you What do you say to that person? <laughs> um, you know, it, so much of it is getting a read on people. But since yeah. I've been sitting here chatting with you, you know how I said short answer yes, proceed. I would I would say short answer yes, but 
why are you asking me this? Where'd this come from? Yeah. So, um, so, you know, maybe the email says more. All right, let's go. (laughs) Hi, J&J. I've been binging the pod in quarantine. Love all the discussion about couples moving in together amidst Corona. My question is about some of Jared's comments. Uh oh. <laughs> okay, uh, let's get the stenographer out. I, uh, Jared's comments about dating in university and how it's kind of like playing house. I'm a recent graduate and I've been dating a guy for about six months and all is well. I even met his family during a birthday FaceTime call and we have been staying in each other's places about six days a week since COVID ramped up. As things get more serious with him, I'm kind of wondering if it's even worth dating, falling for, meeting families, etc. with something that's just based on numbers alone you probably won't marry. We both went through breakups last summer, started hooking up in October after meeting at a party, i.e. we weren't actively seeking a relationship. And things escalated smoothly from there. I really like this guy, but who knows where I'll be in a few months, let alone a few years as I get a career off the ground and he finishes law school. Should people in their early 20s stick to casual sex until they are financially independent and have careers somewhat established? I see a potential future with this guy, but I don't want to be naive. Is it cynical to shut down my feelings because I know things likely won't last? Loved your live show. Love you guys as a team. Love hearing about your relationships and thanks in advance for the insight. So what do we think? Cool. What's the, can you say the person's first name? We, no, we don't get into don't names. You don't do that. Okay, we protect okay. the innocent. Okay. And the guilty, right? <laughs> and the guilty. And the, especially the guilty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So that person could have been my client this morning or later sure. this afternoon. I mean, this is, this is, you know, we live in each other's worlds here, but mine mm-hmm. is kind of behind closed doors. So I, what I hear the person doing is time traveling. I mean, it's what cl- uh, clinicians call time traveling, where she's rushing into the future. What if this? What if I do it? It doesn't work out. What if they want to go to law school on the other side of the country? What if, what if, what if? And that usually isn't helpful because we can't predict the future. We don't know what's going to happen. So I really am more interested with clients, not in are you 22 or are you 29? Because technically, I'm not sure how that much how much that matters as much as how is what's the quality of this relationship right now? And it sounds like if I was catching everything you were saying, the person sounds pretty happy. It sounds pretty good. It sounds like, you know, they're not unhappy with their situation. They're just worried it isn't going to work out. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I would say, forget about the numbers, forget about the statistics, forget about that you're 22. But if you're happy with something and it feels like it has potential and you want to keep doing it, then you keep doing it and you'll find out in six months or three years, whether or not that's really still the case. Um, but not to get too hung up on there's stuff in there around like, well, I'm 22, I'm too young. This couldn't possibly work out. And I've actually gotten a lot of emails from readers over the years saying the defining decades sort of help them shake that off a little bit and realize, you know, it's okay to want a relationship and to find a relationship when I'm in my twenties, like I don't have to wait until I'm thirty to do this. Do you do you ever, on the flip side of that, get any emails or have any clients who are maybe did settle? I think because I think people have this fear of oh, I I met someone in college or I met I'm still with my high school boyfriend and I just don't know. Um, and it's going well, but I I don't feel like I've dated enough people oh, right? yeah. how, yeah, how, yeah. how do i know right you know? well as a matter of fact an old client of mine uh was driving through town yesterday and uh came by to see me 
And she's a perfect example of someone who in college, I felt like dated people who were mm, just not matching her in terms of where she was going in life. And I was extremely clear about that um, because I felt like, well, if I'm not going to say it, then who's going to say it? And so, you know, I very much said, let's not rush. Let's not settle. I don't think that you're really seeing, you know, how great you are and where you might go in life and that you're really looking for someone who might go those places with you. And honestly, that's, I think I worked with her 10 years ago and now she's got a partner and, you know, they're happy and, but it's a very different sort of person than she was dating in college. I like to believe largely because of my pushy interventions around <laughs> let's not settle now. Um, you know, there's a lot to still get out there and see and to, um, sort of realize about yourself. I mean, she was a really, really great gal. And I felt like she just didn't, hadn't figured that out yet. So how do you know, like, if, if you're kind of like this, the emailer who wrote in, who's like, you know, um, should I end it? Because like, who knows, maybe, I don't know, who knows where, where they're going to be, but also maybe there's someone else out there for me versus like um, other people who, you know, are dating. How do you know whether to tell someone to stay with someone or to yeah, find yeah. someone who's going the same places as them? Well, I have a crystal ball that other people don't have. So that makes it much easier. <laughs> you know? I mean, usually, honestly, I don't know anything other than what my clients tell me and, you know, 20 years of listening to similar stories. But um, that person in the email didn't say that. Like, they didn't say like, I don't really, you know, my friends say is not really good for me and we fight a lot and I cry. I mean, they, they weren't saying that they were saying right. this seems really good, but I feel like statistically speaking, we're screwed. And I wouldn't necessarily say that's the case for that person. Whereas the other, my old client I was talking about would come in and talk about ways in which the relationship really wasn't making her happy. And so that's mm -hmm. definitely a time where I say, well, let's not lock this thing down now. Um, you know, don't settle. This is kind of I to defend myself a little with uh, my question about some of Jared's comments. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Uh, uh, what, what were they? Remind me. Well, that a dating in university and how it's kind of playing house. Like I oh, think that yeah. goes along okay. with what you're saying, um, Doctor J. Where it's like, you know, the referencing relationships statistically don't work out. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly the case. Most relationships don't work out. That that's just how the numbers go. But that's a reason to drop a bad relationship, not a reason to drop a good one. Absolutely. You know? Right. So, mm -hmm. so it's like, I think that they're kind of like flipping around. They're, they're taking the numbers taking, well, I'm saying Jared says they play house and saying, well, everything here must, something must be wrong here, mm -hmm. you know, that I'm not seeing. And it's like, if you don't see it, it ain't there. You know, like right. it's, it, it, uh, you know, maybe they're, if I looked at their relationship, it'd be like, this is all screwed up. But, Every, one person's screw up is another person's, you know, perfect home. Absolutely. Know? Right. And they just need to find each other. Exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that what I love about 20 somethings is it's such a d diverse group of people that you just can't say, well, 22 year olds are like this and 29 year olds are like that. And, you know, 25 year olds are like this or 31 year olds are like that. I mean, you just, it really, I think, for things that are working for people and that are making them happy in the present and that feel like 
may make them happy down the road, then why would you change that? Well, and it's also, it's, it's, you know, the advice is to say, and the statistics is to say, it's not the end of the world if it, do, if it isn't going great and you have to end it. You know, like, absolutely not. You, right. You know, like if you're in a bad relationship, yeah, it's, and you're not feeling well in it, like you got, you've learned something. That's the whole absolutely. 20s mindset. Okay, live and learn, but like right. don't forget what you learned for the next thing. Right. Well, and if you think it stinks to end it now, try ending it in, 20 years when you have three kids and a mortgage, that's really going to stink. And so, but I've had people, I had a client one time, she was dating someone very seriously and she felt like the engagement was just around the corner and it probably was. And she said, you know, I just feel like my second marriage will probably be my good one. And I was like, (laughs) hold on. No. Okay. What more do we need to have said here like this cannot happen and not because I saw something that you know she couldn't see but I was listening to what she was saying and what she was saying was this relationship isn't making me happy I'm just afraid to end it and get back out there and start over but it's I think she was 27 at the time 28 and it's a lot easier at 28 than it is to 38 yeah I mean yeah it's uh all of that stuff is true. I, it's 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 hard to like weigh the way right now how I feel, not knowing will I feel better in the future, right? But you kind of have to count on it. Well, that's that's you know to me that's really the tough part is um a, a lot of couples who are happy together early on, you know, they kind of have to remember that. I mean, they're legitimately happy. They have strong relationships. It's all good, but life's going to change and things are going to become more challenging. So in the, in the new version of the dividing decade, I have a chapter called 29 conversations and Jordana, you probably read this one, but it's sort of about like, Hey, there's a lot more coming other than having sex or going to brunch or going on a trip or even meeting each other's parents, there's a lot more coming in terms of cross country moves or having kids or buying a house or somebody losing their job. And to really talk about those things because none of us can predict exactly how it would go, but even having the courage to talk about those issues of, wow, what do you think? Do you want, do we think we want the same things? Do we think we'd handle these things the same way? Right. You have a list of questions that I thought was very um, useful and interesting for uh, I'm engaged. So uh, g- Ooh, going nice. through a lot, going through a lot of those, which uh, oh, you know, he loves. <laughs> let's Got have it. let's have a series of 42 interesting conversations. Yeah, there's where... 29. Just 29. But, you know, it's interesting of when do I have the conversations? I mean, of course, it's never too late, but you know what? It's never too early. I mean, I say that with an asterisk first date. Okay. Probably too early, but you know, sometimes talking about those things just in general, um, you know, it's kind of a good way to figure out, not just, are we happy now? Are we compatible now? But will that also be true, you know, in 10 years? And again, nobody has a crystal ball, but if you have a solid foundation, then, you know, you, you take what comes together. Right. And a lot of those questions were things that you don't like just haven't even crossed your mind at all because you've never had to think of them but asking something like how involved in childcare do you plan on being is like something that would be great to find out 
before you have the child. Uh, heck yeah. Well, that's why a lot of the, um, I say in there before the 29 questions that there's two eras in a relationship and it is not before you're married and after you're married, because in your twenties, thirties, before you're married and after you're married, okay, after you're married, let's say you have a traditional wedding and you get presents. Okay, cool. You've got some new pots and pans and some like new sheets, but life is the same. So the, the two eras are, if you have them before kids and after kids, because then suddenly that's what really rocks your world <laughs> and shifts things in the relationship. And, and then you suddenly ask questions you weren't asking before, not do you like the beach or the mountains, you know, or do you like Mexican or Italian, but it's who's going to, are we both going to work full time and um, who's going to take care of the sick day or how, how present do you want to be with childcare? And so you know, of course, we maybe we don't know till we get there, but I think you can find out pretty early on if people have clear ideas that don't match yours. Right. Well, the when nanny I, will take care of everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. people do think that, but they're expensive. So, you know. Yeah. Well, that's what I think you had an anecdote in the book about the guy who, you know, was with his girlfriend. He was like kind of banking on her like i think it was like giving up her her job or just being more having a more traditional home right but what i liked about that was that it wasn't judgmental about anyone wanting that mm -hmm. it was just more about being real about finding someone who's actually into like it's not wrong to want no, a more traditional right. sure. family style or something like that but it's it's less about right or wrong and more about figuring out if the person's on the same page as you or not Absolutely. I mean, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. And I said, you know, there's a lot of women out there who want what you're looking for, but your girlfriend is quite clearly telling you that she's not one of them. And, but he just didn't want it to be true because he liked all this other cool stuff about her, but all that, the, the, the things about what kind of household they wanted and how traditional it would be, it was going to become extremely important you know, once they were married and had kids at the moment, it wasn't causing that much friction, but all the writing was on the wall. Right. And I'm sure you notice that like, when you look at couples who fight, they're always basically fighting about the same thing. It's just in different formats or comes up differently, but it's usually like, we'll all lead back to right. in this case for this couple, probably something involving that fundamental difference right. between them. Right. Yes. Well, that's, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we can all look back and say, Day one, I sort of knew this would be an issue, but you know, hindsight is when you really see it. <laughs> totally. Well, wow. this was so helpful. Thank you so much for coming on. For our listeners out there, I love the Defining Decade. You just have a, a 10th anniversary edition, which I really like because it seems like very relevant. It has like stuff about Instagram on there, like social media. It's very, uh, it feels like it was written now. Good. Um, even Great. though the book is was written 10 years ago. So definitely check it out. It will it's helpful, not even just if you're in your 20s, but if you're in your Still 30s, relevant, like me. 30s and yeah. beyond. Yes, yes. So check it out. The Defining Decade um, by Dr. Meg J. And it's, I assume, anywhere books are sold. Absolutely. It better be. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. It was fun. Okay, people, that's it for us. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, share the episode. This was really a fun one, right, Jordana? I loved it. Uh, Dr. J was great. And I'm excited for you guys to go check out her book. And we will be back on Wednesday with another episode. 
You Up is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Maddie Paul. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at You Up Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And send us your emails to youup at betches.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Netflix. Bridgerton is back, bringing us another scandalous and sexy season. And dearest gentle readers, you will not want to miss this chapter. In season three, longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Will these friends defy odds and expectations to find true love? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? You shall have to watch and see. Watch part one of Bridgerton now, only on Netflix. Betches.